Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time of day you may be listening. This is Reverend Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and this is today's edition of Bible Bites as we continue reading through God's Holy Word this year. My reading for today in episode 207 is found in Ecclesiastes chapters 9 through 12. And so there's a few things I want to bring out here in these chapters as we're reading through God's Word and seeing what He might speak to us. First of all, in chapter 9, verses 1 through 3, speaks uh, somewhat of the fact that there's nobody better than anybody else, rich, poor, you know, if you've got a lot of wisdom, if you know nothing, whatever it is, life happens. Life happens to all of us. Various things. And um, so, you know, so we go through the same struggles. But the difference is how we handle them and whether we're standing on the other side when it's all said and done. Jesus spoke about this in, um, when he told a story of two houses he talked about two people that build their houses, one that builds on the sand and one that builds on the rock. And notice this, storms come to both houses. He didn't say that the one that's on the rock is going to have a super easy, creamy filled life and nothing's going to go wrong. No, storms of life come to both houses. The difference is the foundation. The difference is, are we going to stand through the storm? Are we going to come through and be still standing on the rock? And so, beloved, the same thing. We all go through many of the same types of struggles, whether it's in health or whether it's in finances or, um, you know, family problems. <coughs> Excuse me. But we need to come through them with, with victory and honor, and that is when we're founded on the rock of Jesus Christ that will make us do that. <coughs> Excuse me, I got a tickle in my throat. <coughs> in verses 4 through 9 of chapter 9, it speaks of us making the most of our life before we die. So, you know, it's important that we use every day and make every day count for the right things. In verse 10, notice this. Whatever your hand finds to do, <coughs> do it with your might. For there is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you are going. In other words, he's just saying, make the most of the time you've got. And whatever, notice that. Whatever you find to do that is good, put your hand to it and do it with all your might and you will be rewarded. You will be investing treasures in heaven. You'll be rewarded for those good deeds and those good things you do to invest in people's lives and to make this place better and life a better place. <clears throat> so I encourage you with that word, whatever your hand finds to do, do it. Make the most of the days that you have in this life. In verse 13 through 18, he continues talking about the value of wisdom as he does in all of chapter 10. And he compares this to several different things. 
For instance, foolishness versus wisdom, laziness versus wisdom, speaking wrongly versus wise speaking and, and godly words and speech. All of these things are addressed <coughs> in these chapters and in these books that Solomon is writing for us. Remember, he was the wisest person. God gave him wisdom. He asked for wisdom and God gave him an abundance of wisdom. And until Jesus came, he was the wisest. And so it's no um, surprise that his books and his writings are filled with wisdom, words of wisdom for us to live by. In chapter 11, I want to read verse 1 and 2. Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Give a serving to seven and also to eight, for you do not know what evil will be on the earth. Beloved, I, I see this as a principle primarily for our offerings. God in the Word talks about tithes and offerings. The tithe is the first 10% and it belongs to the Lord and it needs to be paid in the storehouse, wherever that place is that is feeding you, that is your home church. That's where the tithe goes. But offerings are over and above the tithe. Offerings <clears throat> help support other ministries and allow you to share in the work and in the fruit of those other ministries when we give our offerings. It does that. We give offerings to missionaries, for instance, or to those who translate the Bible, or to those who bless the poor. You know, there's all kinds of godly places that offerings can go. But it's talking here about how you cast those, you cast of your bread, you cast of your possessions of the things God has blessed you with that provide your living, and you send extras out. And it says you will find it after many days. <clears throat> In other words, there's a, there's, you're sowing a seed, so to speak, and there's a harvest time, but it's not right away. It will come later. You sow into those ministries as God gives you the opportunity and lays upon your heart the ministries that you are supposed to support and then there will be a harvest from those and you will have a reward from those after many days and sometimes <clears throat> some missionaries and other organizations will give you progress reports and updates and that kind of thing and you'll know somewhat of what's been accomplished with your with your funds and what you will have a part in other times you may not know until the lord comes and takes us home and we face him and he shows us then what the reward and the fruit of our labor is. But know this, that there, this is a principle. And when we give these things to God, there will be a harvest. There will be a reward. And he even says in here, in verse 2, give a serving to seven and also to eight. Maybe that's a guiding principle for how to divvy out the funds that, you know, if you have, you know, let's say you have a hundred dollars a month or whatever that you want to give to missions or give to offerings. You know, there might be a, a principle in there that the Lord might lead you to divvy it up between seven or eight different ministries. I, I don't know. That's something you need to take to the Lord and ask him about. But it does give us some principle there for our giving. In verse three and four, I found this to be um, one that kind of addresses procrastination because in verse 4 particularly, it says, He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. 
So in other words, you know, well, it's a cloudy day, so I'm not going to, I'm going to wait and I'll do it tomorrow. You know, it, it's um, the wind. It's really windy today, so I'm not going to go out and sow today. I'm not going to cultivate today. I'll put it off. I'll put it off. I'll put it off. So he's talking about excuses here and how easy we all know it is to procrastinate and we shouldn't be doing that. In verse 5 and 6, he says this, As you do not know what is the way of the wind or how the bones grow in the womb of her who is with child, so you do not know the works of God who makes everything. In the morning, sow your seed, and in the evening, do not withhold your hand. For you do not know which will prosper, either this or that, or whether both alike will be good." And what I get from this is a guiding principle in a lot of ways, practically speaking. But he's talking here about <clears throat> basically we need to work. You do the work and you sow in the various fields. You, you sow your, and invest your time, your talents, your treasures. Give yourself to these, to these things that God puts in your heart and in your hand to do for him. And let him trust him with the result because you don't know which one he's going to bless or if he will bless them all. That's what it's saying here. And so, you know, this is a good principle also in a lot of ways. For instance, in making decisions. Let's say you had, uh, you had to find a better job or a new job or, or a job. And so, you know, you, you send out, you send out many applications to many things. You don't put all your eggs in one basket, so to speak. You send out different um, things to different places because you don't know which one God's going to bless and which one God will open up the door for. And so it's things like that that this is talking about. It's a good verse that gives us principles for guidance and for daily living and decision making. All right. And then I want to go to chapter uh, nine. Well, verse nine of that chapter and then on into chapter 12, uh, the first five verses, he's talking about basically when you're young, you know, when you're young and you're full of all kinds of energy and vigor and, and all of that stuff, he said, enjoy your life, do all those great things, you know, have fun running and playing and romping and doing all that stuff. But remember God, remember God, and also have a heart of wisdom to know that whatever decisions you make, even in youth, there are consequences that will come from those. And there will be a time where you will have to give an, a reckoning and an account for those. For instance, young people, Young people can fall easily into some of the traps of sin, drug addiction, or alcoholism, or other things in their youth, thinking that it's all cool and fun and whatever. But the price that they will pay later in life is not worth it. And so it's better to live a life of wisdom even when you're young and say, you know what? Nope, I know the end of that thing, and I'm not touching it. I'm not going there. And then you enjoy life in other ways. Beloved, there are plenty of ways to enjoy life without drugs or without alcohol or without some of those other things. And I know people have differences of opinion on, for instance, um, uh, drinking and some believe that it's okay to socially drink or whatever. That's between you and God and the Word of God for you to be convicted by the Spirit of God. I'm not talking about that, but I am talking about how our consequences give, I mean, our choices give us consequences later in life. And that's what he's trying to say here is he's trying to say, you know, yes, enjoy your youth, but remember, you're going to be old one day. You need to make choices that will give you good results in the end. You need to make choices that will bring blessing to you 
all of life and not bring you days where you regret those choices you made. And all of us make our mistakes in our youth. Believe me, all of us do. But God is trying to help us here to enjoy all of our life, not just our youth. And then in verses 5 through 7, I want to read this part of chapter 12 as we begin to draw down to a close here. Also, they are afraid of height and of terrors in the way when the almond tree blossoms, the, the grasshoppers are burdened and desire fails. Here's my point. For man goes to his eternal home and the mourners go about the streets. Beloved, we need to recognize whether we're young or old or anywhere in between that there is an eternal home that every person has. And in this life is when we choose where that place will be. There's only two options. It's either heaven or it's hell. And both are very real places. There is life after death. And God has designed and desired that men and women, boys and girls, will join him and live with him in heaven forever. So much so that he made the way. He made the way. He cut the way through Jesus Christ on the cross so that every single person can come into a relationship with him and have an eternal home in glory. And one day, when we breathe our last, whatever choice we have made in this life, whether we have chosen to accept Jesus, believe in Him, and receive Him as our Savior, having Him wash away all of our sins through repentance and, and forgiveness, and we have turned our lives over to Him, and we are His, our names are written in the Lamb's book of life or not, we will go one of the two places. We will go to heaven if we have done that, we will go to hell if we have not, if we have rejected Jesus. And hell was never, ever created for one person to go to it. You don't have to go there. I don't have to go there. Let us make the choice in this life while we still have breath to choose so that our eternal home will be in heaven with our God, with the God who loves us and who gave himself for us. Hallelujah. And then as we begin to close, verse 10 Solomon explains here his mission and what he was doing. He says, The preacher sought to find acceptable words, and what was written was upright words of truth. Solomon sought to give us wisdom to bless people with words of truth. And God anointed him for that purpose. The Holy Spirit inspired him, and he has given us these books. And it, specifically in the book of Ecclesiastes, he's focused on the fact that Life without God, life apart from God, life is totally vain, empty, worthless, and useless when you don't know Jesus, when you don't have a relationship with God. You can try to find satisfaction in wine, in women, in wealth, in work, in whatever. He's covered all of these kinds of things in detail in this book, and he has shown the folly and the emptiness of those things without God. It is God in a person's life. It is the living Son of God in us that makes life worth living and gives us a hope and a future to live for and to strive for. And as a matter of fact, in the very last verses 
of his book here in Ecclesiastes. He sums up the whole matter. He sums up the whole thing of everything he's talked about here and every possible pursuit of life and every practical pursuit of life. And he says this, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is man's all. This is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. So he's saying here, you want to know the sum of everything? Fear God and keep his commandments. In other words, come into a relationship. Jesus talked about in John chapter 6 that God only has one command that we have to do. One command we have to do in this life. One command he wants us to do that will bring us into right standing with him. And that is to believe on the one whom he has sent. To believe on Jesus Christ. And when we obey that and we enter that relationship with Jesus Christ, we are in right standing with God. And he begins to fill us and gives us abundant life that he said he wanted to come to give. He begins to give that to us. And from that moment forward, then life becomes worth living. And it's a powerful thing. And we can make wise choices in life because we will stand before our Lord in one day and give an account for how we've spent this life. Praise be to God. I pray that this message has been a blessing to you today. And Lord willing, you can join us again for future episodes of Bible Bites as we continue reading through the beautiful, wonderful word of the Almighty God. In Jesus' name, amen.